in our series, you know, we've been looking at some of the, as I would say, overlooked aspects of Christ. So we've looked at, first week we looked at, at Christ as gentle and lowly, as he describes his heart in Matthew. And we came face to face with the invitation of Jesus to come to him, especially when we sin, that his heart is gentle and lowly towards us, um, that he longs to heal us because we're part of his body. And we looked at Jesus as our intercessor uh, with the Father in heaven, that he's the only one that could stand and make a defense for us before God in heaven, that he's, he's, he's there right now interceding for us, that the work, you know, we just got done, done celebrating Easter, you know, his work didn't end, you know, when he rose from the grave. You know, we'll, we'll look a little bit at what he did after he rose, but, but even as we sit here today, he's, he's interceding for us before the Father. Pete, uh, on Sunday during the Easter message, even mentioned how, um, the Bible talks about how Jesus intercedes for us when we pray, too, and how there's, there, there's that interaction, so that even when we pray, Jesus is interceding for us. So, it's just, it's just amazing if you, you know, you think about it, you know, in that way. And, and then when we, we also finished up right before, uh, the American Gospel series, we, we saw Jesus as the Word, as is described in, in John's Gospel. So, we saw how John kind of played on the Greek understanding of the word logos, and how Jesus is the very personal force. He's, he's the Word, He's the force that gives meaning and, and purpose to everything in the world. So I hope that, you know, as, as we've gone through this, that, you know, our goal as we started this series was to see Jesus as he truly is, not some man-made idea. Um, if you look around today, I think it's easy to see that a lot of people are, are basically creating their own God. You know, they're, they've, they've designed one that, that they feel like they can worship, um, that is worthy, um, that is... You know, you remember in the American Gospel series, Bart, Bart Campolo, he was uh, um, cl- claimed to be a Christian at one point, and now he's a secular humanist. And he was describing throughout this, the film, he said that at some point he began to create a better God. You know, at one point he said, like, if you can think of a better God, why not trade up? <laughs> he was very, uh, very bold in, in his... You know, in the way he talked, but but and he said that the last god that he worshipped was awesome, and that it looked a lot like him. And sadly, I, I think that that's really common, you know, in the world today. And I fear it's tragically too common in the church. You know, so we as Christians, we have to see Christ as He truly is. We have to see God as He is, not who we want Him to be. And it's just important to focus on how He has revealed Himself to us in Scripture. So that's what I found helpful about the American Gospel is like they constantly kept going back to Scripture, and even in even in our series here, like we're we're going primarily to Scripture to understand who does God say that He is, and and how did Christ decide to reveal, you know, His character and His nature to us when He was on Earth. So I love this quote, so I have to use it again. Uh, but Tozer, A. W. Tozer, said, "What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us." He goes on later to say, he said, For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most important fact about any man is not what he at any given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart 
conceives God to be like. So, great quotes. And, and you might be asking yourself, why, you know, okay, I hear that, but why is it so important? And I, and I think in the beginning I reminded us, it's, it's important because how we think about God will shape everything that we think. It will shape everything that we do. What we think about God is, is honestly the most important things because it will define how we live our lives every day. So as we turn tonight to, to the final session, let's just try to block out any distractions and just take a few more minutes to focus on one more aspect of Jesus. There's so many that we could go into, but um, we're going to focus on just one more. So would you pray with me as we, as we get started? Father, I thank you for this time that we have to gather as your church. Um, I ask that you would push out all the distractions that we have, um, the thoughts and worries of the week, um, that we would just come to your word tonight and just be hungry to see what you have for us. Um, So would you give me clarity and would you give us focus um, as you speak to us uh, through your word tonight? Amen. All right, so I thought it was timely that our final overlooked aspect of Christ focuses on Jesus as the risen Lord. So we're just days out from Easter, but did you know that Jesus, after he triumphantly defeats sin and death on the cross and raises from the dead, that he's actually on earth for another 40 days? Uh, Acts, uh, in Acts 1, 1 through 3, Luke writes, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chose, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking to them about the kingdom of God. So in preparing for my message, especially the time like leading up to Easter, I talked with a lot of believers who who didn't know that he had been on earth that long or that they really hadn't considered the time that Jesus spent on earth after his resurrection. And honestly, I hadn't either. And that was something that inspired, you know, this uh, this message and just digging in a little bit deeper, because I think it's important not to miss the 40 days after the resurrection. We really shouldn't overlook it because as we're going to soon see in these 40 days, Jesus leaves us a blueprint of how he cares for us and how he equips us after he ascends. So that's our theme tonight. Jesus knows and cares for us by comforting our souls and equipping us for the work ahead. So what was he doing over these 40 days? Maybe you know some of the stories uh, tonight, we're going to look at a few of the interactions that Jesus had with his followers. And in doing so, we're going to get one final view into his character and how he loves and equips us for the work that he has. So let's go to our first interaction tonight, Jesus appearing to Mary Magdalene. So would you turn with me to John 20, verse 11 through 18. That was John twenty, eleven through 18. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, 
sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. So what do we see here in this interaction with Mary? There's a lot going on. She's weeping. She's heartbroken, right, at the loss of Jesus. She's confused. She's worried that his body isn't in the tomb anymore. I mean, there's, can you imagine her emotional st- st- like state? <laughs> this, is, this is Mary Magdalene, who Luke mentions had seven demons cast out by Jesus. She had faithfully followed and served him since that day. Now in the midst of her grief and confusion and loss, Jesus just suddenly appears. <laughs> you know, But she doesn't recognize him quite yet. So how does, how does Jesus interact with her? Okay? Like what's, what's the first thing that he does? Look at verse 15. Jesus says to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? So Jesus, immediately he sees her distress, and he seeks to comfort her. But she still doesn't recognize him, right? So thinking he's the gardener, which I think is you know, a reasonable assumption, she asks where he took Jesus' body. She really wants to know, where is the body of Jesus? Like, where did he go? And it's then that Jesus reveals himself to her by simply saying her name. Mary. Immediately, she recognizes Jesus, and she clings to him. And I think it's easy to, to again, just overlook that and, and, and just keep going with the story, but I, I really think we should, we should slow down and, and, and not miss the way that, that Jesus cares for Mary in this encounter. Her soul is comforted at the sound of Jesus simply saying her name. He lovingly reveals himself to her by calling her by name. And I, maybe it's just me. I just think it's beautiful that, like, at that moment, all I had to say was Mary. Like, if I said, like, any one of your names or, you know, just, you know, Mary. Like, it, he, in that moment, she immediately knows, you know, who he is. So I wonder how many times in our own lives is Jesus calling to us? You know, in your grief, do you hear him say your name? In your sin, do you hear him call your name? In your joy, do you hear him call your name? Isaiah 43, 1 says, But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Israel, the one who formed you, says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. So Jesus calls Mary by name, and in so doing, he cares for her soul, and he, and he brings her peace in that moment. 
Think of the emotional state that she's in. Now she's back in the presence of Jesus. But he doesn't stop there. He's going to equip her as well for the work ahead. So look at verse 17. Jesus says to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. So Jesus comforts her, but he tells her not to cling to him, but to go and tell the disciples. So why does he tell her not to cling to him? It's a little, it's a little maybe a little confusing. Is it that he couldn't be touched in his resurrected body? Well, we know that isn't the case because pretty soon he's going to tell Thomas to, to touch the holes in his hands and his side. So what's he mean by this? I think the Lord's equipping Mary in this way. I think he's, he's, he's telling her not to cling to him because he's trying to prepare her for the future. He knows that the relationship is about to change. He's not going to walk with her on earth anymore. Soon she's going to need to know how to follow him in a new way, in, in spirit and in truth, when he ascends to the Father. So in telling her not to cling so fast to his body, he's preparing her for his going away. And she doesn't fully understand the meaning of his words, but Jesus knows Mary needs to let him go in that way. So you see, Jesus knows exactly what we need. He knew what Mary needed in that moment. She thought that she needed Jesus back in her life in bodily form, and everything was just going to go back to the way that was. But Jesus knew that things were changing. And so he's preparing her in that way to, for the work ahead, because he's going to be leaving. You know, he's going to be leaving in about 40 days. And that relationship is going to change. So I, I think that that's, that's the focus of, of how Jesus is equipping you know, Mary in this case. She thinks she needs to cling to him. He knows she needs to let him go in that way. So, so I ask, what is it you know, in your life right now that Jesus is preparing you for? What is he giving you more of himself? What is he preparing you for in the future? that you don't know. So in our first encounter with the risen Lord, we see that Jesus knows and cares for our souls by comforting us and also preparing us for the work ahead. So let's look at another example, okay? So shortly thereafter, Jesus is going to appear to the apostles. I love these guys. Let's look at one more encounter with the risen Lord. Would you turn with me to Luke 24, 36 through 49? Luke 24, <clears throat> 36 through 49. As they were talking about these things, the disciples, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they had saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they, were, they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. 
Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So what's interesting about this second encounter with Jesus' disciples is we're actually going to see a similar pattern that we saw with Mary Magdalene. Let's take a closer look. So again, Jesus suddenly appears. Um, Look at verse 37. They are startled. They're terrified, right? If you take a step back and you think about it, how could they not be? You know, here they are locked in an upper room, fearing that they're going to be crucified next. You know, they've just seen Jesus beaten, crucified. Uh, they left their jobs. They left their homes. They left their families. As Peter said at one point, like, we, we've left everything to follow you. You know, and, and now, you know, they're absolutely scared out of their minds. Um, so again, going back to Mary, can you imagine their emotional, mental, spiritual state at this point? You know, what, are, what must have those conversations sounded like in the upper room? <laughs> so what now, guys? <laughs> you know, and then Jesus appears, right? And now they're even more terrified, <laughs> right? You know, when you're on, already on edge and like the slightest thing happens, like a door creaks or something like falls to the floor, like you, you just about hit the ceiling not because of that like normal thing like normally that would that would be nothing but because you're already on edge you're like yeah you know that's all of a sudden jesus appears you know and that's that's where the disciples are at you know they've they've witnessed jesus dying on a cross and they have no idea what's next and then he appears they think it's a ghost i think that's reasonable so but what's the first thing that jesus says to them look at verse 36 Peace. Peace. Again, as he did with Mary, he immediately comforts them, you know. This goes back to like when he's like walking out on the water, you know, like they think he's a ghost again. Peace, you know. He's he's immediately comforting them. You know, he knows where they're at. He knows where their souls are at at this moment. And he says, peace. So he comforts them. And he stills their hearts. And he begins eating with them. So, uh, yeah, you can just see it. It, it, says the, it says it right there. Like, they're, they're disbelieved and they're marveling. They're like, what in the world is happening right now? <laughs> but just as with Mary, Jesus not only comforts them, he, he's going to equip them for the work that he has ahead. So look at verse 44. He said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. It's apparent that the disciples still hadn't fully grasped who Jesus was and what his mission on earth was. So again, in his care for them, he begins to explain how everything in Scripture pointed to his coming, to his death, to his resurrection. We don't have time, but he does the same thing with the couple on the Emmaus Road, if you know that, if you remember that story. Like, he starts walking with these people, and then they're, they're, they're talking about what happened to, to Jesus. <laughs> they're literally talking about him. And he, 
he begins to explain to them how all through Scripture, his coming was predicted. It was prophesied. And, and again, so he's, he's taking the time to, to equip them and, and to show them what his, what his true mission was. And I just think verse 45 is incredible. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He did what only he could do. He opens their minds to understand what his plan and his purpose is. And ultimately, how it was revealed throughout Scripture. Again, he knows that they're going to need this understanding, this this illumination that he gives them to carry out the work of spreading the gospel. And in fact, Jesus says, "This is the point of them being witnesses of all these things." Look at verse forty-six. He says, "Thus is thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day raise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed to all nations." beginning with Jerusalem, beginning in Jerusalem. So this is, this is, again, Jesus lovingly preparing them for what he knows they're going to do. Like, he knows that these guys are going to give their lives to, to spread the good news. Like, he knows that the, what uh, persecution like, that they're going to face in the future. And here, at the beginning of that journey, he is ensuring that they have what they need for the road ahead. So again, do you see do you see Jesus's care and love for them? How he's comforting them and then equipping them for the road ahead. So this is what I want us to see. Like this is our Lord. You know, this is Jesus. This is his character. This is his nature. This is who he is. In these forty days, you know, there are other stories like I mentioned with the, on the Emmaus road. In these forty days, he's leaving us with a blueprint of how he interacts with us to comfort and to equip us. So I, I ask again, just as a, as a point of reflection, what area of your life do you need comfort in? Seek the Lord, and he will bring you comfort. It may not look exactly like what you need, right? Mary and, the, Mary and the disciples thought they just needed Jesus back in their lives. So it may not look exactly like you want it to, but he will give you more of himself. And he will equip you for the work that he has ahead. So trust him in that. So Jesus then ends our passage tonight by telling his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to come to them. And we're going to see this manifested on the day of Pentecost uh, in Acts, which is our next series. We're going to go through the book of Acts. I always feel an urge to go through the book of Acts when Easter passes. Because I'm like, all right, now what? You know, Jesus is gone. Now what happens? And that's you know, the whole book of Acts, like Alistair Begg in the American Gospel, he said, this is where Jesus is is proclaimed. And it's beautiful. So I'm excited. We're going to go through the book of Acts. But again, this is in here at the end of this passage. This is Jesus in his final act, equipping them with the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that, that dwells in us, the same Holy Spirit that helps us to do the work that God has for us every day. So know that, you know, know that that is the same for us. So as we wrap up tonight, I really do hope that you have found uh, this all encouraging for your soul. Uh, These characteristics of Christ that we've gone through are told so that we can, again, see Jesus as he truly is. We see his holiness. We see his love. 
We see his, our deep need for him as the only true source of our comfort and our strength. We can't, we can't equip ourselves. And that he is the only one that can. So where are you tonight? You know, are you fearful? Are you, is your faith weak? Are you weary are you, and heavy laden? I encourage you, go to Jesus. Go to him in prayer. Um, he will give you comfort and he will equip you for the work that he has to do. And as I always say, if you haven't truly placed your trust in Jesus, why, why not do so tonight? If you have any questions, come and see me afterwards. I would love to talk with you.